What's going on, guys? Welcome to the week 16 preview. And I know I'm a day late on this, but we're going to do the best we can and just kind of cover the games that are yet to be played. So we're going to begin things with the 5-9 and nine Broncos at the 5-9 and nine Chargers. L.A. is a three-point favorite over under, and this one is 49. So the Chargers are a team to me that that is going to finish the season strong and has already started that path. They've won two in a row. And um, look, they're playing hard for Anthony Lynn. Justin Herbert in these last two games has completed over 76% of his passes, um, over 278 yards a game, four touchdowns, just one pick. And he's bounced back nicely. Those two games are, are after the 45-0 complete beatdown at the hands of Bill Belichick's Patriots. So um, Herbert has had a great season so far. Obviously, everyone knows that. He's seven games with over 300 passing yards. Um, that's over 50% of his starts are, you know, a 300-yard passing game. And he's just been – he's been awesome, you know. So his first game against Denver this year, he was 29 of 43, 278, three touchdowns. But he did throw two interceptions. And that kind of helped – contributed to blowing the lead that the Chargers ultimately blew in that game where Drew Locke came in, scored 21 in the fourth quarter, including the game-winning walk-off touchdown pass to K.J. Hamler, essentially a walk-off. And there was like five seconds to go or something like that. But um, it was a weird game because it looked like the Chargers were in complete control, like an easy dominating win. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, what happened? You know, and they and they lost the game. So uh, Locke in that game was 26 of 41 for 248, three touchdowns, one pick. And um, both run games were able to have some success on the ground. Chargers had 210 yards rushing and Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. And this was mainly Melvin Gordon because Lindsay was largely held in check, but they combined for 14 carries for 109 and a touchdown. So um, I think both teams will be able to run the football again successfully. And I do believe that um, ultimately right now, I think the Chargers are just the better football team, just a little bit better, right? They have a better quarterback right now. I don't think anybody would argue that. The Broncos have a better defense, but I think the difference in quarterback play and just overall offensive football play will negate the fact that the Broncos have a better defense. And uh, I think the, that gap is kind of larger than what the defensive gap is. So ultimately, I just trust the Chargers right now. I think that they're playing hard for their head coach. Um, I also think the Broncos are too. And I think it'll be a close game, but I like LA to win it 24 to 20. And I like them to, honestly, I, I'd be, I don't know who they play next week, but I, I would not be surprised at all if they run the table and finish the season 4-0 in the final quarter. I think that's a good sign for a young team trending up. I posted this yesterday and a lot of people kind of disagreed with me, which was kind of weird that momentum is very real and how you finish the season matters in terms of how you, you know, go on and in, in, in next year and things like that, establishing a culture and just building uh, the winning habits. I think that that matters. And a lot of people really actually argued with me that you can't um, build momentum in, in, uh, you know, like going over years, like going into next year. So I, I just, I don't understand how you could really believe that. But anyways, moving right along, let's go to the Browns, 10 and four Browns at the one and 13 Jets. Cleveland's a 10 point favorite over under is 48. So Cleveland is uh, without all of their wide receivers, basically for this game, they're going to have to have some practice squad guys playing. It's going to be, it's basically similar to what the Broncos had to deal with a few weeks ago, except for it's not with quarterbacks, it's with wide receivers. So um, that sucks, right? And I think it's a lesson to be learned for teams. Like maybe you need to have your position group players away from each other as much as possible. Kind of like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how to limit the close contact thing. That sucks. And, um, but for Cleveland, I think that 
with the way that their offense is built anyways. I mean, they have the third best run game in the NFL. They have the uh, a good play calling coach in terms of like his ability to spread the ball around in the pass game, like tight ends get involved. They have a lot of tight ends they have. And I know they're they're down one of them, but they they do have ways to hurt you in the passing game that doesn't involve wide receivers. And we saw Alex Smith for like, what, two years straight have like one touchdown pass to wide receivers, you know, so it's possible to to scheme around that for one game, you know, especially with late notice like this. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to necessarily have all the bases covered for potentially um, other ways the Browns are going to be able to pass the ball. And ultimately, the Cleveland Browns have won many games this season where Baker has thrown like 18 to 22 passes, you know, and I, I think I think that's a uh, formula that will work for them in this one. So um, I do think it will be a low scoring game. And I think this matters in terms of just how the over under, I mean, uh, how like the points will be scored in this one. So I think that in an overall game flow, but ultimately this couldn't have happened to a better team when you look at the fact that the Cleveland Browns have a guy named Nick Chubb and a guy named Kareem Hunt. So both of those guys are, you know, have been at times considered top five, top three to five running backs in the NFL. So I think that matters. And when you look at just even without wide receivers, what the Browns will be able to do with that dominant offensive line versus a Jets team that Look, I know they beat the Rams last week, and that's fantastic, but Sam Darnold has started 10 games, and he has thrown six touchdown passes. He has three touchdown passes over his last seven games, right? I I, I don't think... Look, the Jets have failed to score 20 points in nine of 14 games, and they've been held to 10 points or less seven times. Seven times, right? So when I look at all that, I just think to myself... The Browns are going to be able to find more offense than the Jets will. I think they win the game 20 to 14. It's a low scoring game. I'm not quite sure how this will impact the over under. And, uh, you know, the Jets do have a decent run defense. They're 14th against the run. But when you just look at what the Browns are willing to do in terms of creativity on the offensive side of the ball and how they run, how they attack you with the run game, I just think they will be able to manufacture more points than the Jets will. And the Browns' defense is not a bad unit. I know the, the Ravens uh, kind of had their way with them a few weeks ago, but it's it's a good unit, to be honest with you. It's not, it's not a bad defense at all. And they bounced back nicely last week against the Giants. So ultimately, Browns win the game, and um, I don't think they cover, though. I think this cost them the cover. All right, Giants and the Ravens. So Ravens are 10 and a half point favorites over unders 43 and a half. Baltimore has scored over the last three games. They're averaging 40 over 40 points a game, 40.3 points per game in Baltimore. When you look at their losses, even this season, they don't typically lose games like this where they're 10 point favorites, like games that they're supposed to win. They, this season they've lost to Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and one of those with, without Lamar Jackson and then Kansas city and new England. Right? So those are not teams that, you know, you're, you're, those are obviously not, not any slouches, those teams, right? So uh, the Giants have scored 49 points in their last four games, you know, so that's obviously not good. A little bit over 12 points per game in that time. And they did, I mean, they haven't been losing all these games. This is the crazy thing. That's how good this defense is. And, and Joe Judge and crew have uh, really been uh, doing a good job in terms of on that side of the ball, but offensively it's been a struggle. You know, two of those games were started by Colt McCoy. So to be fair, 
there's that. And then one of them was with a very injured and obviously not 100% Daniel Jones. So I think that the Giants are going to have to run the football. And at times, Baltimore has shown that they can struggle with the run, right? So the Giants have flashed the ability at times to run the ball. So that, to me, is something that I think is going to be very important. And if the Giants want a chance to win this game, I think Daniel Jones is going to have to run the ball himself as well because Baltimore blitzes more than anyone in the NFL, right? They, they come after you. That's what they, they rely on their ability to cover your guys one-on-one in the secondary. Like you, they, they think that their corners, and they usually are right, can cover your receivers one-on-one with no real help, and they, they come after you. you know? So that's kind of their strategy is not really – it's not even really to confuse you all that much. They do some things that can confuse you at times, but they are just like, we're going to come after you and we're going to lock you up in the back end one-on-one. Now, Daniel Jones, if he's healthy enough, is a very good runner. I expect some read option type of stuff. I expect him to, if he hits his back foot and no one's open initially and the, the Ravens are blitzing, he needs to very decisively hit the whole get up field, get moving forward and gain some positive yards. And that will keep the Ravens a little bit honest, right? You can't keep zero coverage blitzing guys if they are, um, if the quarterback's taken off and hurting you that way. So I think doing that early um, will really negate some of that aggressiveness that Baltimore wants to play with. And if you can do that, I think the game could be closer and that could even open things up for the running backs in terms of the run game. So all in all, that to me is the formula for the Giants to win the game. I think defensively, the Giants defense is going to put them in position as usual to be in the contention for this game. But ultimately, Baltimore, I trust a lot more at this point in the year. They're they're on fire right now offensively. The defense is playing pretty well. Um, I think they win the game 23-20, to 20, and that's the under. That's a Giants cover, though. And I do feel strongly that the Giants will cover this game. If you really wanted to get crazy and... Um, you know, you wanted to tease this game. I love the Giants at plus 17 and a half. I absolutely love it. Or even plus or even plus 16 and a half. I, but I absolutely love them at plus 17 and a half. The only thing is Baltimore is the kind of team where if they get off to an early start, you're in big trouble and they can cover almost anything because they will get on you when they get up big so or when they get up early. All right, next game, Cincinnati Bengals, the 3-10-1 Bengals at the 4-10 Texans. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this game because I don't think you guys care all that much. But Houston's a seven-point favorite, 44.5 is the over-under. Cincinnati's coming off a huge win in prime time. And now, unfortunately for them, I think they're in a classic letdown spot, right? Because you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, you did it on Monday Night Football. And now you've got a guy in Deshaun Watson who's 4-10, and who does not like losing, and who just lost another tough one last week. So um, Houston started this season 1-6, and six, but they played teams like the Chiefs, Packers, Ravens, Titans, Browns, and even the Vikings, right? So they, they're, they've been 3-4 and four since then, you know, and I think that's, you know, it matters because that's a brutal schedule to begin your season, right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. That's six of their seven games, and the other one came against the Jaguars, which was their only win, we're once again against the Chiefs, Packers, Ravens, Titans, Browns, right? Those are all playoff teams, you know, and then even the Vikings who aren't maybe they're mathematically limited now after their loss uh, the other day. But nonetheless, that's been they've obviously been a team that can beat you. I mean, they beat the Packers in Green Bay. So that um, is a tough schedule. And really, ultimately, the it 
that schedule led to the end of Bill O'Brien as we know it as the, as the Texans head coach. But um, Deshaun Watson has thrown for 300 plus yards in four or five games. He's really been awesome. Or four of his last five games. He's been awesome this season. Honestly, he's been, um, he's had some moments, some games where he's just, you know, hasn't been able to do much, but in large part, he's been awesome. And it's been his best season ever so far. Um, Cincinnati before last week, they scored 50 points in the previous five games. And, one of those games, I believe, was played with Joe Burrow. So, or maybe it was either one and a half of those games, I believe, or just half, one or the other. But some of it was played with Burrow. And, um, or it was a half a game, yes, some of it. So, Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, in this game, this to sum it up quickly, is going to find a way to outscore whoever it is, start Ryan Finley or whoever ends up being the quarterback for Cincinnati. I think that's just kind of what I got for you in this one. I don't have a ton, but um, I think that ultimately Houston wins this game 30 to 17. And like, I mean, the one way for Cincinnati to hurt Houston is to run the football against them, but they, they're not a team that has been much of a great run de- uh, offense, you know, the 27th in the NFL and yard rushing yards per game. And, um, but like I said, Houston's vulnerable. there, the 31st ranked run defense, but ultimately, like I said, even if they do run successfully, I like Deshaun Watson to outscore Ryan Finley. 7-7 seven, seven Bears at the 1-13 Jaguars. So the Bears are 7.5-point favorites over under 47 in this one. Somehow Mike Glennon has found his way back to the starting lineup. Even after Minshew last week, in a blowout loss, completed 76% of his passes at nearly 8 yards an attempt, had 2 touchdowns, 0 interceptions. So that, to me, is really strange. Um, and I, I, you know... I don't really understand it, to be honest, because it wasn't like Mike Glennon was was balling. You know, exact. it wasn't like he was out there just playing great football by any means. So, um, But, hey, whatever Doug Marone feels that like he gives him the best chance to win, I suppose. So, you know, whatever. Um, speaking of quarterback controversy in Chicago, we've got Mitch Trubisky now leading the Bears to, since he's returned into the starting lineup, to 30-plus points in three consecutive games and 31 points per game average over the last four which is since he's returned so they've been good and the uh, Chicago's defense last week generated pressure on over 40 percent of dropbacks by Kirk Cousins and they sacked him three times so I think that they'll be after Mike Lennon I think that the Jaguars are allowing they're the 30th right ranked run defense in the NFL and they're allowing over the last three games more than 184 rush yards per game David Montgomery is averaging over six yards a carry over the last four games, and he's had three 100-yard rushing games, and he's averaging 145 yards from scrimmage in that time. So I think that this game is an awful, awful matchup for the Jaguars, and I'm honestly pretty surprised that the spread is only 7.5. I like the Bears in this one. I like them 30-14. to That's the under and Bears cover. All right, this game is interesting to me. It's the 13-1 Chiefs hosting the 4-10 Atlanta Falcons. So everything about this game to me screams this is going to be the game where the Falcons bring their A game, and it might just be a game where they catch the 13-1 and champion, defending champions in a letdown spot after their big win last week against the Saints. I mean, look, the Falcons, as we know, their defense has actually been playing pretty well, uh, at least as of late, right? They've, they've been a defense that makes things difficult for any offense they play. I'm very interested to see how that pans out against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think that they will they will get some pressure on him. And ultimately, I see this game playing out one of two ways. I see it being a complete massacre at the hands of the Chiefs. I think they'll come out and completely either they'll destroy the Falcons 
or it'll be really one of those games that we've seen from Kansas City all year where they go in there and they almost lose, but they pull it off at the end. But in this game, with the amount of talent that the Falcons have, even even without Julio on offense, I think they could pull this game out. They could win this game. But ultimately, I'm taking the Chiefs to win it 33-30. to 30. But I am very nervous, and I would not call the Chiefs the lock of the week. I'll go that far. I'm not going to say that the Falcons you know, are, are going to win this game. I'm not going to pick them to win. But I'm also not going to call Kansas City the lock of the week. All right. Colts, 11, uh, 10 and 4 Colts at the 11 and 3 Steelers. Pittsburgh is actually a two point favorite in this game. Over under is 43. So obviously the Steelers started 11 0, and now they are 0 and 3 in their last three. So um, the Steelers need to prove that they're not soft because right now, from what I can see, they look pretty damn soft, right? They've lost three straight, and last one to Cincinnati was just awful, right? You can understand and you can stomach the losses to Buffalo. Um, and, and, you know, just, but the one last week to Cincinnati was just awful, right? So I think that they need to look at this as a get right opportunity and they need to come out and be that angry, uh, you know, tough Pittsburgh Steeler game that we're used to seeing in situations like this. But I'm not confident we're going to see it. Ben Roethlisberger, after his first nine games this season, was completing almost 67% of his passes, averaging over 252 yards a game. Almost at a 7.0 you know, yards per pass attempt at 6.8. But he had 22 touchdowns to four interceptions, zero lost fumble. Since then, his completion percentage has dropped almost four points. It's down to 63%. His uh, yards per game is down 13 yards a game. His yards per attempt went from 6.8 to 5.3. And in these games, he has eight touchdowns to six interceptions, and he's lost the fumble. So it's seven turnovers um, in his last what was it four games so that's or five games so that's not good right it's it's actually very concerning and they've only scored 96 points over those last five games which is 19.2 uh points per game average and you look at the other side of the ball who they're facing philip rivers is very has been very much trustworthy at this point he's in his last five games completing almost 69 percent of his passes 268 yards a game almost eight yards per attempt 11 touchdowns just two interceptions so um, when you look at that and then you look at the fact that uh, Pittsburgh has been the worst rushing offense in the NFL over the last three weeks, averaging just 51 yards a game. And unfortunately for them, they're playing a team in Indianapolis that has been the best run defense in the NFL over the last three games. So allowing just 84 yards a game. So when you look at all that stuff, man, it's tough to get behind Pittsburgh here. But the only reason I'm going to do it is because I think the Steelers are not going to sit there and let themselves drop four straight games. I think they ultimately find a way to win this game. I think their defense, we still have to look at the entire body of work, and we have to say this defense is very much legit. The Colts are going to be without their starting offensive tackles for this game. I think Pitt finds a way to pressure them. I think they find a way to win this game. I think it's 23-20. Steelers win. Steelers cover. Over-under is a push right there. Exactly 43 points. All right. Panthers at the uh, Washington football team. So six and eight Washington, who's first place in the NFC East, hosts the four and ten Panthers. Um, obviously, the Rivera revenge game is on my mind in this one. Two teams um, in this game that are heading in opposite directions. Washington's a one-point favorite. Over/unders forty-one and a half. So um, the Panthers have lost eight of nine, while Washington has won four of five. And last week they almost beat Seattle. 
So I think that um, we cannot underestimate this Washington team, even if it will be Dwayne Haskins rather than Alex Smith. So um, Teddy Bridgewater has just one touchdown pass in his last three games. And the Panthers are only the 20th best rushing offense in the NFL. So it's not like, you know, you can lean on that, even though last week we saw Seattle be able to do that against Washington. But previous to that game, the Washington defense was allowing the fewest rush yards per game over the previous three. So, um, you know, don't be fooled by that. I think Seattle is actually a team that's just running the ball really well right now. So that's something that we need to consider. And then when you look at the Washington pass rush against Teddy Bridgewater, for the large part of the season, Bridgewater was one of the least pressured quarterbacks in the NFL. As a matter of fact, over the first five games, Teddy was not pressured 20% of his dropbacks in any game um, over the first five. Since then, seven of his last eight games, he's been pressured 20% or more, right? He's been sacked seven times over the last two weeks. And I think that in this game, Washington's going to be able to get after Teddy. I don't think either team will be able to run the football. But I think Washington will make some plays on defense that the Panthers just aren't going to make, right? I, I, like last week, the Panthers weirdly had five sacks against Aaron Rodgers, who was sacked six times in his previous eight games. But... Ultimately, I don't think that's a sustainable way of, you know, I, at least for them to continue so far this season or for the rest of the season. But I also think that when we look at what Washington is is going to be able to do against this Carolina defense, I don't think it's going to be pretty, right? I think it's going to be a game very similar to last week's game. I think Washington wins it 20 to 17. So that would ultimately be them covering in the under. And there is a scenario where Washington can win this game, right? And if they do that, they can also clinch the NFC East. If they, I believe that the um, Cowboys have to win and then the Giants have to lose, which is very plausible. Uh, Cowboys play the Eagles, Giants play the Ravens. So I think that's all they would need. Um, and if that happens, Ron Rivera clinches against the Carolina Panthers. That's just so fitting, isn't it? Well, anyways, yeah, I'm taking Washington 2017. All right. 9-5 and five Rams at the 10-4 and four Seahawks. So in this one, Seattle's a one-point favorite, even after losing to the Rams a few weeks ago. Um, Over-under is 47. So um, as I mentioned, the Rams beat Seattle just, I think it was five weeks ago. And the Rams' defense is still elite. I know they lost to the Jets, but they're still a very good defense. They are first against the pass on the season in terms of yards per game allowed. And they are first over the last three weeks with just less than 150 yards per game allowed so far in that time. So um, the Seattle defense, though, has been balling lately. They're, they've On the season, if you just look at season-long stats, which is why I don't always like to do that, the Seahawks are 32nd against the pass, right? But over the last three weeks, they're third, allowing just barely over, I think it's 159 yards per game. So um, over the last six games, if you want a larger sample size, Seattle's allowing just 16 points per game. And they allowed 23 points in the first game against the Rams, but obviously they couldn't get their offense going. And Russell Wilson has, in large part, struggled lately. Over his last five games, averaging just 203 yards per game and 6.5 yards per pass attempt. In the first meeting against the Rams, he threw, he was 22 of 37, 248 at 6.7 yards in attempt, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and he was sacked six times and pressured on 30% of his dropbacks. He did um, scramble for uh, eight times for 60 yards in that one. So that was obviously, um, you know, that that was a big factor in that game. But it was in large part because he had to, right? He was being pressured so much and, and they were just getting after him. And in, in that game, 
Jared Goff was solid. He was 73% completion, had over 300 yards passing, 302, 8.2 yards per attempt, um, did not throw an interception, and was not sacked. So, um, However, in the five games since then, Goff has completed just 6.8% uh, yards per pass attempt, seven touchdowns to six interceptions. So he has not been very good since then. He um, And honestly, it's maybe been just weirdly like – a, a very mistake-filled season for him where I know last year he it was a different thing last year, though, because he threw the football more than anyone except Jameis Winston. And um, this year they've had actually a pretty good run game, and it's just been like a lot of random mistakes for Jared Goff. So obviously that can't happen in this one. Um, I think Seattle has to run the football. From their standpoint, they've got to have a balanced attack because if you go into L.A., trying to do what you did last time where you threw it, you know, almost you dropped back over 40 times and um, you didn't run the ball effectively or often enough. I think that's a way for the Rams to just dominate you again. And that will be a turn in ultimately to a repeat of what we saw last time. But I think if Seattle comes out and by the way, Seattle has the six most rushing six most rushing yards over the last three weeks. If they come out and run the ball effectively, efficiently, and uh, often, right, I think they will be able to um, beat this Rams team. And ultimately, I'm taking Seattle because I just trust them in games like this more, especially because I trust, even with Russell Wilson struggling, I trust him more than I trust Jared Goff, especially when you consider the amount of mistakes Goff has made, right, um, this season. So I'm, I'm taking Seattle to win this one. I'm taking them to take full advantage of their um, the chance that they have right now to clinch the division and Ultimately, they shouldn't even have this chance because the Rams had to lose for the, to the Jets to make this even possible. But I think Seattle wins this game 30-20 to 20 in a big-time statement win um, that propels them for a potential playoff run. Okay, next game, the 4-9-1 Eagles at the 5-9 Cowboys. Philly is a three-point favorite over under 50. Um, look, I know people are going to be thinking, ooh, Jalen Hurts, so let's start him against this bad Cowboys uh, defense. But I will say... Dallas has been much improved against the past. They're ninth over the last three games. Philly might and should have a huge day on the ground, however, as Dallas is the 32nd ranked run defense, which is last, and uh, they allow over 162 yards a game. So Andy Dalton missed the first meeting against Philly, and Ben DiNucci started. DiNucci in that game was 21 of 40, 180 yards. That's four and a half yards per attempt. Zero touchdowns, zero picks, but he was sacked four, four times and, and uh, pressured on 33% of his dropbacks. Miles Sanders missed that first game at Boston. Scott ran 15 times for 70 yards. And ultimately, guys, I think that the Cowboys are showing me some things that make me really, really excited about them in terms of Mike McCarthy having a team that's not quitting. Because if you remember just a few weeks ago, or at, at this point it was, what, five, six, seven weeks ago, something like that, but they they had that play where Andy Dalton got hurt, right? Right before this Eagles game. And Andy Dalton gets cheap-shotted by that Redskins linebacker, can't remember who it was, and literally the Cowboys players are just standing around, like, did not give a damn. And that's unacceptable, right? But since then, or not really since then, but over the last few weeks, they've really rallied, and they you can tell they care about each other, and they care about winning games this season they're not like oh let's just tank who cares like they're actually trying and they're fighting for Mike McCarthy and ultimately I like that because I think it'll save Mike McCarthy's job number one number two I think McCarthy is a good coach I just think that you know ultimately there were just too many hurdles to overcome a slow start 
And then a Dak Prescott injury for the season and then all these other ones. And, you know, just kind of it's just been kind of spiraling out of control. But ultimately, I've been I've been impressed with their effort as of late, especially. But I think they'll make things difficult on Jalen Hurts. I don't think Hurts is going to have a great game as a passer. I do think he'll find some some ways to hurt them on the ground as a runner. I think Miles Sanders has a big game. I think the Eagles run for over 200 yards and sack Andy Dalton three to four times. I'm taking Philly to win a very close game, 30 to 27, a little higher scoring than last time. Um, and uh, that's the over, and the over-under is going to be a, I mean, uh, the um, Philly does not cover. It's a push there. All right. The Tennessee Titans against at the Green Bay Packers, Sunday Night Football. This one should be a lot of fun. We've got arguably the two most efficient and dynamic offenses in the NFL play, head, uh, playing head-to-head in this game, the Packers and the Titans. Ryan Tannehill and Aaron Rodgers, guys, have combined to complete 71 touchdowns to nine interceptions. And they're somewhere in the 67 to 68% completion percentage range. So that is outrageous, right? And they're over eight yards in attempt combined. Each guy is over eight yards in attempt. So Tannehill, 31 touchdown, five picks and four rushing touchdowns. Rodgers, 40 touchdown passes to four interceptions. So, hey. They took a lot of shit in Green Bay for the drafting of Jordan Love, right? And say what you will, it, everybody likes makes makes fun of the idea that, oh, you're going to push Rodgers with a first-round quarterback. Well, what's the difference then? If if not that, then what what has it been? They, had, they didn't add anyone, essentially, right? They, they pretty much have the same skill players as they've, as they've had last year. And all of a sudden, Rodgers is just playing some of the best football, if not the best football of his career. So... Um, something I'm looking for in this game is the Packers run defense against a much improved Tennessee Titans run. Uh, I'm sorry, the Packers run game against a much improved Tennessee Titans run defense. I think that the Titans, when you looked at them for the first half of the season, they were one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Overall, now in the season, they're 14th best. That shows you how much improvement they've made statistically for them to jump that much, you know, from like 30th to 14th. That's impressive. The something I'm worried about from, from the Titans is their non-existent pass rush versus a Green Bay pass-blocking offensive line that's awesome, right? They only allow pressure on 14% of dropbacks. And before last week's weirdly, you know, kind of weird outlier performance, they had only allowed six sacks over the previous eight games. So they are not a team that is going to allow a pass rush. And the Titans so far this season have not been a team that's going to get into that's going to generate a pass rush. But the way this game gets interesting to me is if and only if Tennessee's run defense holds up. In that case, it could end up looking, basically in a best-case scenario for Tennessee, it could end up looking like their Buffalo game looked. If you guys remember, Buffalo had no run game, and it was just all dropping back, and then Tennessee was able to play a bunch of coverage in the back end and really not even worry about that. If they can somehow force a very good Green Bay rushing offense to be non-existent, I think this game could potentially look something like that because I do believe they can find a way to hold up in the back end if they're able to stop the run. But in that case, they would have to not just stop it. They'd have to basically eliminate the run. So, you know, take that for what you will. Derrick Henry has been on fire lately, 100-plus yards and uh, rush yards in five of six games. And in those last six games, he's has 836 yards on the ground, six yards a carry and seven touchdowns. It's 139 yards per game on the ground. So he's just been awesome. And he's really been, in terms of value, I think he's honestly – been one of the most valuable players in the NFL, if not the most valuable. But I know, obviously, 
quarterback is going to win that award. So he's not even in the conversation for it. But in all honesty, he really does deserve to be in that conversation, in my opinion. Um, since the Tampa Bay game where Rodgers really struggled, he has been even more insane than his yearly numbers would indicate. He's completing 72% of his passes, averaging, averaging 272 yards a game, has 27 touchdowns to two interceptions. That's outrageous, guys. That is like ridiculous. He's been sacked 11 times, but as I mentioned, five of those came last week against the Panthers in just a weird way. And, um, you know, Green Bay, something that, that is also interesting, I mentioned how Derrick Henry has been awesome this year. Green Bay is the fifth best run defense over the last uh, three weeks. So that um, that matters. And they're also their pass rush has been cranked up 17 sacks over the last four games for Green Bay. If they can if they can stop Derrick Henry and generate a pass rush, this could be a complete blowout. Right. I could easily see that happening. Ultimately, I think it'll be a close game, but I like the Packers to win it. Thirty three to twenty nine. Green Bay wins. OK, the eleven and three Bills. At the 6-8 and eight Patriots on Monday Night Football, the uh, the Bills are seven-point favorites. Over-under in this one is 46. And just so you know, the Josh Allen MVP case is not over yet. He needs a big game on Monday Night Football. And if he's able to do that and Rodgers has another performance like last week, I could really see Josh Allen taking the lead in this MVP race heading into Week 17, somewhere I didn't think we'd be. And when you look at Aaron Rodgers and what he's done, you know, statistically, 40 touchdowns and four interceptions this season, um, it seems like he's a foregone conclusion for the MVP right now. But I think Josh Allen, with a, it's going to have to be a 300, 400-yard game and, and three, four touchdowns against Bill Belichick on Monday Night Football. But if he does that, um, I think his case is being made, but it's not going to be easy because the Patriots, while they've struggled against the run lately, they've been the second best pass defense over the last three weeks in terms of yards per game allowed. And the New England defense, run defense, like I mentioned, they went through a stretch early on where they were just awful defending the run. And then they were really good for several weeks. And now over the last three weeks, they've given up the fifth most rush yards per game. Last week, I mean, I'm sorry, in the last meeting, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss combined for 28 carries for 167 yards and two touchdowns. That was like the last game right before the Patriots started playing well against the run. Um, in that game, Josh Allen was 11 of 18, so that's 61%, 154 passing yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. That is 8.6 yards per attempt, um, and he had 10 carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. Um, he was sacked once, but pressured on almost 32% of his dropbacks. And then Cam in that game was 15 of 25, 174 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks. He did have nine carries for 54 yards and a touchdown, but he fumbled the football on that last drive that honestly would have been the game-winning drive. I think they just had to kick a field goal, if I'm not mistaken. But um, at least, maybe it was a field goal to tie. But in any event, that was a devastating loss fumble, and that came the week after they failed to, to – um, win the game when they were given the opportunity, uh, whoever they played the week before that. So Buffalo's defense, however, since their bye week, has allowed more than 20 points on just one occasion, and that came to Kyle Shanahan, so there's no shame in that. And they're allowing just 18.8 points per game against them. So if this defense continues to play like that, no one is going to beat them, literally no one, because if they can hold the Chiefs to 24, I think they're scoring 30. You know what I mean? I, so I, or I think they're scoring more than 24, I should say. So ultimately in this game, I would love to see a Josh Allen 
huge, you know, three, 400 yard game in a, in a big time way. And I'd like to see Cam play well as, as well, because he's taken a lot of, to me, unfair abuse. Because if we look at what Tom Brady's doing this year, and we have to remember Tom Brady was unanimously basically told uh, by every, all the media that he was washed and the fans um, playing with these same exact skill players in New England. So I would like to see Cam play well, but ultimately I think it'll be a lower scoring game. I think Buffalo wins 24 to 20. And that's a Patriots cover, but it wouldn't shock me if Buffalo came out there and just absolutely balled out in, in route to a big time win. Not a not a blowout win, but but a um kind of a, a very impressive Josh Allen performance in terms of just like, you know, three, four hundred yards, three touchdowns in like a 30 to 20 win. That would not shock me, but I'm gonna take it in a closer mat in a closer game. 24-20 Buffalo Bills win this game. And um yeah, I mean, they're, they're still, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're in them running for, no, I think this is the two seed, actually. But yeah, man, I think that's how it's going to roll. It it all, it also wouldn't shock me if the New England Patriots won that game outright. You know, it's, it's tough to see New England losing games like this at this time of year, but Buffalo is just on fire right now. And uh, so that's kind of what's making me pick them. And so, yeah, guys, that's what I got for you in this one. I know I've been... Um, haven't been doing as much podcast lately, but my son's on Christmas break and we just had Christmas and all that. So it's been tough to find the time to escape and, you know, record. So um, forgive me for that, but I am not going anywhere. I promise you the regular schedule will be back, if not right away, very, very soon. And if you could, as always, give it a share, the podcast, give it a share, give it a review or whatever, leave a review. That stuff helps. And I will be back with Start Sits very shortly. Peace.